Welcome to The Round Barn, a podcast devoted to all things livestock. Our goal is to offer provocative insights, challenge conventional wisdom, and never be boring. I'm your host for today, Kaylee Hillinger. Joining me is Dr. Jim Lowe, a large animal veterinarian and a member of the faculty at the College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Illinois. Hey, Jim, how are you today? I'm fantastic, Kaylee. How are you? I am great. Thanks for being here. On our last episode, we talked about African swine fever, and you scared me a little. And I've been reading some of the articles, and you said, we are not ready for ASF. So that's kind of what I want to talk about today is, are we ready for ASF? Are we ready for foreign animal disease? What do some of these things look like? So kind of want to tear into that. Well, that'll be a depressing conversation. Oh, boy. You said we're never boring, but we didn't say we were depressing. <laughs> Might be a little interesting. That's right. Yes. So I was recently reading an article about ASF fatigue, and you kind of touched on that on our last podcast. Of We've been talking about ASF endlessly in the swine industry for the last five years since it really rocked China and the fear of it coming to the U.S., and you didn't give us the the true answer, the billion-dollar question about why we don't have ASF in the United States, but a few insights to that. But that just kind of got me thinking, after you said we're not ready, what if there was a positive pig in central Illinois of ASF? I quit. <laughs> Back to spaying cats. Back to spaying cats, but um, which is a scary, scary, scary proposition. But um, so... And we got the official policy of what we're going to do. And so everybody's talked about that ad nauseum, right? So we'll have a 72 hour stop movement order. So no animals move for 72 hours. So we don't, you know, we don't harvest pigs. We don't wean pigs. We don't do anything for 72 hours. And then we're going to do something after that. Something. Mm, we're going to do something. Okay. But Does I someone smarter than me have the answer to what something is? Or? Well, I think there's kind of a plan, but. Okay. You know, it's a little bit up in the air because they don't really understand what we're going to see when that happens. So the goal of the stop movement is to say, can we find all the disease? So if we find it in Urbana, Illinois, then the question is, they're going to go ring test. So test around the positive herd. In like a certain distance? In a certain distance, yeah. And so the OIE would say basically five kilometers, right? They're going to go test. Now, what's the OIE? The World Organization for Animal Health. That's an old French acronym. We don't call it that anymore, but it's okay. the World Organization for Animal Health. And so, but the acronym is still OIE. Okay. Yeah. The words you said don't match OIE. Yeah. No, they don't. They Perfect. used to. Um, uh, but the goal is you go ring test. You know, that's kind of the playbook out of OIE. And this is what we do globally. And we've all signed up to these agreements and said, we're going to play by these set of rules. Obviously, we move a lot of pigs in the U.S., and so then there'll be a traceback process to say, okay, where did pigs move out of that site, and let's go test those sites and ring test around those sites. So the theory is, is that when I see the first case, 72 hours buys me enough time to find all the cases. To contain it? And then we could depopulate that, stomp it out, and life is grand. Okay. That's the strategy. That's Sounds the, like a great plan. That's the playbook. Um, and that's really the old red book, which is what, you know, USDA revises and uses to guide policy response. And so that's OIE adapted by USDA, federal government, and the state governments have to interpret that through the SAHOs would interpret that and push it through. And so they'd work together to work this out. And that's kind of where they're, that's the plan. Okay. 
and it all sounds good, but even everyone in the system understands, what if we don't find it all? Right. Um, what or if what that, if like what a if, feed truck comes in? Well, it's all stop movements, right? So okay. that's So the problem isn't we can stop everything for 72 hours. The problem is the assumption is not the problem. The problem is the assumption. The assumption is, is that 72 hours allows me to find all the known cases. Okay. Now, ASF has a relatively long incubation period. So I have one infected animal. It takes a long time to get the second one. Okay. They can be infected. They're infectious before they are clinical. So they're infected and infectious, but they don't have signs of the disease yet. Yep. Um, so if we miss it, we may not have found all of the cases off that original case. It sounds a lot like early 2020 with humans. Yeah, it's COVID. the same playbook. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And we see how that worked, right? Right. And so I think everybody is acutely aware of that. That's what I said when, when I kind of said, oh, what happens next? Mm, don't know. Because I think everybody's in that same boat going, okay, this is the plan and this is what the rule book says. But that's not been successful in ASF anywhere else. It didn't work on PED and then PED is a different response because it wasn't federally mandated. It's not for an animal disease. But sure didn't work in COVID. Mm-hmm. And so you start to question, I think everybody's saying, oh, what are we going to do? Because it might be more widespread than what we think. Now, as we talked, ASF doesn't spread that easy. Mm -hmm. So maybe it won't be very far. But I think that's why we can't get anybody to commit. And I would, if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't commit either to say, this is exactly what we're going to do. Because <laughs> I think they don't know. They have to think through what's going to happen. Now, um, we've done some work here. Ben Blair, former grad student here. Um, did some work looking at what happens with the stop movement order mm -hmm. and um, what happens if you open it back up. So let's say, and so the plan is, okay, here's the disease. We draw these circles around it. We have a infected zone, a control zone. We don't allow movements outside of that, right? There's all these rules. But if you do that right and you do that, but you miss the infection, there's an infection outside that zone. Well, when you put that stop movement in that zone, you alter all the other trade patterns. Yep. So we did that on coal sows, but we could demonstrate. And so COVID gave us a perfect deal. It closed a packing plant, coal sow packing plant. So it allowed us to model what happens when you close that. So we built a model and said, okay, how does trade normally work? And yep, they normally trade animals like this. And we could work through that coal sows. And then we said, okay, let's close the plant, which they did. Does the model still hold up? Yep. Well, what we predicted is exactly, well, basically what happened, right? Within the tolerance of the model. So we had, okay. So the problem is you have a stop movement order and you stop all the movements, but if there's infections outside the zone where you think they're infected, you actually could spread the disease more broadly because you change how yeah. trade works. So it's, that's. You kind of rob Peter to pay Paul and then just. Yeah. Spread the infection a little and, more. And the gut is, the, your gut response is it has to, your assumption is, I know where the virus is. I know where the infections are. And that's that's really, really hard. Yeah. And I think that's why when I say we're quote, quote, not prepared, um, nobody can work their head through how that's going to, what what that looks like. Yeah. So it's not, it's not that we don't have a plan. It's just that there might be a few gaps in the execution of the plan, just based on the fact that it's a virus, it's complex. Biological systems are complex. Yeah, and the plan is is that we've made one big assumption, which is the only assumption you can make, and an assumption might be wrong. Yeah, okay. 
And that's the problem. We all know about assumptions. We all know about assumptions. And the good part is, so before everybody loses their mind, the good part is everybody knows that that assumption could be wrong. Okay. So it's not like everybody's charging blindly ahead going, whoa, this is what we're going to do and it's going to work. Everybody's kind of like, it might not work. Therefore, how do we start thinking about that? So that's why you've seen all these meetings and tabletop exercises and Porkboard talks about it. 17 days a week and producers talk about it for the last five plus years right yeah and so everybody sits and works through that stuff because they understand the playbook we've had may not be right for this disease and i think more importantly this industry yeah so so there's a playbook for this one is this same playbook in place for other foreign animal diseases yeah we got one playbook basically one playbook that covers them all covers them all basically how do you feel about that um um, I think if I was going to have it, you're better to have one playbook you can execute than two that you can't execute. Okay. My concern, I think everybody's rational concern is, is that we haven't, we don't have, we, the royal we, don't have a good understanding of the complexities of the industry. The cattle industry, the pig industry, lean poultry, we maybe do, but. So the complexities of. The supply, the, the supply chain. Okay. So how animals move, where we source stuff from. Mm-hmm. You know, when we had PED in 2014, uh, Joe Connor at Veterinarian Carthage went back and pulled the number of sources onto a south farm, and there were like 74 things on a south farm that came from China that nobody knew came from China. Okay. Now, it isn't a big deal, but you start, we were trying to track down where the virus come from. The vi- PED virus is clearly Chinese lineage. Yep. And you're like, I know there's 74 things on this farm that came from China. Where do I start? And that With was pencils. stuff. Yeah, that was stuff that was yeah. used every day. I'm not talking about right. equipment or some computers. I mean, there were 74 consumables that were used every day, came into that farm on a very routine basis that showed up from China. And that included yeah. vitamins and all kinds of stuff, right? So it's the supply chains are really, really complicated. We move pigs all over. You've seen those maps where yeah. we, right? Pigs move and traded all over, even, even if they're not sold, they move all over the place. And so our playbooks haven't necessarily accounted for all that complexity. There's work being done. I mean, there's there's some modeling work being done. Um, Ben's involved in that up at uh, Minnesota uh, to say, oh, what does it look like and how do we do it? But even there, the industry is so complex that the computer almost can't handle it. Right. So many different. So inputs. many variables and so many inputs that you end up simplifying the model because we don't have enough computer, well, I suppose we had some supercomputer, but the way the software has been written to do this kind of modeling, uh, nobody's fired up chat GTP to figure this out, right? And so, or wouldn't, right? But they, we don't, we didn't put those kind of resources at it. So the available software really struggles with the degree of complexity we've got from the industry. Yeah. And so it's, it, it makes all this very, very hard. So we've talked about like the pig component of it. Are there foreign animal diseases that we're worried about that would cross species and like really blow the whole thing out of the water? Yeah, the big one's foot and mouth disease, right? So foot and mouth disease is everything that's cloven hooves. So uh, pigs and cows and sheeps and goats, but deer and elk and all the other big wildlife. Um are all also susceptible. So now you've got a reservoir with foot and mouth disease, not just of domestic animals, but wild animals. Wow, we really did go down a 
Yeah, we're going path. down a depressing rabbit hole here. Um, in foot and mouth disease, unlike ASF, transmits very, very easily, right? So it blows okay. in the wind, and it's an itty-bitty virus, and it's super stable in the environment. And um, But across so, all those species, too. I mean, that would oh, yeah, leave deer in our backyard, and then I go traipsing through somewhere, and yeah. Yeah, if the... Uh, I won't say that the deer eat all of our bushes, so it would be nice if we didn't have quite so many deer. But uh, it's not worth it. Um, but the right, you start the complexity of a foot and mouth disease outbreak is astronomically higher than an ASF outbreak or a classical swine fever hog color outbreak because you got multiple species involved. Yeah. Right. This AI, this high path AI outbreak in chickens is a disaster, right? Avian influenza, right? High path okay. avian influenza, right? And it's a disaster. And USDA is struggling to get that disaster under control. And that's one species, well, a couple of species, but it's birds, right? Yeah. It's, and birds don't move. What I mean, do you mean by, birds don't move? Well, lay, layer hens go to a layer barn and they stay in the layer barn. Okay. It's not like I have a sow farm where I make wean pigs and I ship wean pigs out every week or I'm shipping right. feeder calves across the country and pooling them from 74 sources or blah, blah, blah. So the poultry industry is relatively simple. <laughs> in its organization compared to the complexity of the swine and, the, and then the cattle industry is in order of magnitude more complicated because of the change of ownership. Okay. And so, you know, we struggle with ASF, we struggle with PED. I was going to say we're struggling with high path AI, we struggle with PED, we struggle with ASF, but boy, foot and mouth adds a real, real layer of complexity because of multiple species and who's going to play along and it's hard to get one industry to get together, let alone two or three or four industries to get their act together. Yeah. So to that point, we're talking about, we've talked about the playbook for ASF. What's the playbook for something Same. that crosses all those species? Same. And what so is- are all of these boards and people and groups and highly intellectual people working together to ensure the playbooks fit? Well, that's where the playbook gets really complicated, right? Because now I've got a positive FMD, so I'm not just quarantining in Urbana, Illinois, the pigs. I've got to quarantine all, all, all. And so just think about, I mean, there aren't many livestock here. It's Eastern Illinois, right? East Central Illinois. There aren't many, many livestock in this county or in the the three counties surrounding Mm -hmm. us. But if you were with pigs, you're like, okay, I can get this many USDA and Illinois Department of Ag resources at the table. But now I got to put resources from not just after this 10 pig farms, but now I've got 40 cattle farms and 30 people with sheep and, and, and. Yeah. And so it's not just the disease transmits differently, the testing and the follow-up and the mess requirements are orders of magnitude harder because there's just more farms. There's more follow-up. There's more testing to do. So that one scares me because... I don't think we have the resources for ASF. I don't know what we do with the resources of foot and mouth. Does that one scare you more? Yeah, because it's more communicable. It's easier to transmit. Okay. Now, people aren't as worried about it foot and mouth because we've got a vaccine. Okay. Um, it's still got real trade implications. We're going to struggle to export with. But I think if you look at ASF, you can come up with a scenario where you might have 10 or 12 farms infected. Mm-hmm. And you could stomp it out. And if we didn't get it in too many wild pigs, we might be okay. Does the vaccine prevent infection or limit spread? Both. For foot and mouth. Okay. 
Oh, but with right. with ASF, right, you, we might have eight or 10 farms infected. Those eight or 10 farms, we kind of get it stomped out. Okay, it's horrible for the industry. We don't have it in a lot of places. Foot and mouth really transmits easily. And we're not finding all of the deer in Champaign yeah, County. Yeah, right. And, and so you could and... see where, right. yes, we could get ahead of it with vaccination, but we couldn't regionalize and get back to exporting very quickly. Right. We'd have huge parts of the country infected with FMD. And we'd be trying to vaccinate our way out of it, which we could do. And there's a playbook and we can make all that happen. But that's a long process to get out of that mess. People are scared of ASF because we don't have a vaccine. The only control method is to population. Yeah. So um, it's just pick your poison. ASF, no vaccine, doesn't transmit very easily. One species. Foot and mouth disease have vaccine. Transmits very easily, lots of species. And so it's just the magnitude of an FMD outbreak is likely to be a lot bigger. And yes, we've got a tool to eradicate it, but it's going to be a long time until we get it eradicated. Whew. We said we want to be boring. No, no, no. And and we are depressing. But, we are uh, depressing. But it, it, these are probably not high likelihood events. That's the, that's the thing, right? Um, not high likelihood, but highly talked about. So... In the industry, I feel the pressure, which is probably good because we need to be cautious and aware. Yeah. If we didn't feel the pressure, we, we would be in trouble. We would have it. We'd have it. That's exactly right. So the pressure is good, but the likelihood still probably low. Okay. That was nice to end that on a positive note. That's Since what they we call went real down deep. They always call me Dr. Positive. I bet they do. <laughs> I don't think anybody's I'm ever I'm going to find that one person who yeah, called you, you Dr. Positive. That's exactly right. Fantastic. Well, thank you for your insights. Really appreciate that. Um, and thanks for bringing it up at the end a little bit. Thanks for joining us. Please subscribe and tell your friends about The Round Barn. It's available on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice. One last thing. In addition to this podcast, we offer a wide range of online learning opportunities for livestock producers and veterinarians, including a new Master of Veterinary Science degree. You can learn more about those by visiting online.vetmed.illinois.edu. Thanks for listening.